Mets fans, I want to take a quick break from talking baseball and let you know about the next top prospect in building a smart home. Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is that big time new star prospect. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is a smart lock, a 2K resolution camera, and a doorbell. It's three devices in one, triple the security. You know triples are rare in baseball, but not with Eufy. You can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but also for convenience. Just the other night, I had tons of packages in the rain. Rather than fumble for my keys, I easily entered my home. This is big since I have four dogs who are impatiently waiting for me at the door. No more concerns about losing keys, and you could assign passwords to your family members. Worried about when your loved ones are getting home? Eufy allows you to see them coming back home via the integrated camera. Hey Mets fans, this is a home run. I had a competitive product before Eufy, and it's the difference between a one-dimensional hitter and a five-tool player. Eufy is that five-tool superstar. Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com to learn more. Already sold? Go to Amazon and get your Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Want to go to the store? Best Buy will have it starting around May 20th. Get complete control over your front door at ease with the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., This is a podcast from Minute Media. It's another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Thursday, April the 14th, 2022. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media and you can show an Apple podcast, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. No G, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. And I want to thank the good folks from the fan sided podcasting network and check out the guys over at risingapple.com. Yes, I'm coming to you midweek, a special edition of the show. And as I said, I mean, yeah, we're back to the weekly Sunday situations. But if I feel the need throughout this season, especially when you walk into an off day with no baseball, our first off day of 2022, and I feel compelled to come to you with what I usually call a short, well, I'm going to do that, and as the week transpired, especially 
in Philadelphia. We talked on Sunday after the Washington eighth inning bullpen meltdown. But after the uh, eighth inning meltdown in Philadelphia on Monday, I, I knew that this show was something that we had to do because the reaction of the fan base to, I guess, the early bullpen management from Buck Showalter, and, and generally talking about bullpens in general, was something that I felt could get swallowed up, especially going into opening weekend, Seaver statue, working on, a, I think, a fun guest for Sunday's show. I won't tease it now because until it's actually done, I don't want to tease something that could or couldn't happen, but working on that. Uh, opening weekend and what have you, I thought the whole bullpen conversation was important to have as a standalone. Now, there's very little to get upset about when you come off an opening seven-game road trip, three of the games in a band box against a very good offensive team, and you're five and two. I mean, that to me is a win. Yeah, you could have been seven and zero. Oh. How many perfect road trips do, does any team have? And to really be upset. There are always reason as we get to know this team to be concerned about different facets, but to be upset when the team has a, an ERA of the starting pitching, uh, the, the rotation's got an ERA of what, 1.29? The offense did its five runs per game in Philadelphia. It's pretty much around there for the entire season. And even though the bullpen's had its ups and downs, they've been pretty much compartmentalized into a couple of bad innings. That's, let's face it, that's the where we're at. And, you know, the Mets are not the only team when they have a seven-run lead that their bullpens kind of inch back. You saw other games throughout the league yesterday, including the Red Sox against the Tigers, where something similar happens. And I think that's where I'm going to start because I'm not going to get too much into the overall team because we'll do that on Sunday. I just want to talk about the bullpen because that's what this show really, the purpose of this show is about. Because there's a lot of good stuff I could get into. And then we get into an hour show and segments. And that's not what this short is here on this Thursday morning. This is just to get you uh, to opening day. With the state of starting pitching in the game, with how spring training was truncated, and how we're really in extended spring training with games that count, throughout the league you see it. Bullpens are going to become much different than they were in the past. Where really... It, you, you have two types of bullpens now. You have your your guys in the eighth and ninth inning that are locking down the last six outs. And then you have another nine outs that are pseudo starting pitching outs. The, you know, also uh, maybe those three bridge outs to the, to the setup band and the ninth inning guy. And you have to look at them all different because when your starting pitching is only going two or three innings, maybe four case of the Mets, they're usually getting five. Bullpens are putting so much time in there that inevitably, uh, if I told you uh, a starting pitcher went five innings or six innings, allowed three runs, you wouldn't say, oh, that's an outstanding performance, but it's a very serviceable quality start. You could have situations where bullpens going five innings, two runs, six innings, three runs. That's a lot of outs for a bullpen to cover going through lineups a couple of times. And... Those three runs came in the eighth inning. They blew the game. Oh, well, the bullpen blew the game. Well, yeah, they did, but they were asked to do a lot more than normal. And you can't really look at the overall bullpen in the same way that I think you did in the past. Because if starters are going six or seven innings, and ultimately, as currently constituted, and when you factor in rest and the ability to have the best 
pecking order in the bullpen, which I'll get to. Mets starters giving uh, Buck Showalter six to seven innings is critically important because I think then it'll 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 be allow you to go out there with A team, B team, de-emphasize some of the softer parts of the bullpen, de-emphasize the fact that the Mets right now may have a really strong loogie in a world where you really don't, you really can't use a loogie in Jolie's Rodriguez, who's getting all sorts of tarred and feathered already seven games in. Because I remember this, my first year doing a show. First two months of 2007, everything was going perfect for the Mets. We know when things happened and got bad later on. Everything was going perfect. Team was on a roll, I think 14, 15 games over, already kind of walking away from the pack before things got silly. And everybody was complaining about my first year doing radio. Julio Franco was the pinch hitter on the bench. Oh, they got to get it. He's old. He can't hit. And some of those things were true. But that was like the big controversy. And I remember saying early June, when you are complaining about your pinch hitter off the bench, you don't have any problems as a team. Now, that team had plenty of problems. And I'm not going to get into the 2007 Mets here on a Thursday before opening day in 2022, a 15-year-old story. But that tells you where we are right now. When a 5-2 and two team that had a good road trip and a lot of good going on is worried about a loogie. I want to remind everybody that right now Buck Showalter is truly trying to figure out what he has in that bullpen. He knows he has a closer. And he knows he has a setup man in Lugo. But I mean, Lugo's got something to prove. He was spotty last year. And you saw that. He was not good on Monday night. I'm not surprised he got hit because... As soon as he came in, I saw the the Phillies really right on his pitches, fouling them back, just missing it, and I didn't feel good about it, and you know what happened. But let's assume that that's just a hiccup because Diaz is going to have hiccups, Lugo, every reliever is going to have hiccups in all of baseball. So he thinks he has those two guys, and he's trying to figure out his sixth, his seventh inning, and then he's also trying to figure out what he's got when his A team out of the bullpen is not available because they're not going to be available every game. And if you, I said this on Sunday, and I'll say it again, if you're not going to go to Rodriguez, if you're not going to go to uh, Trevor Williams, if you're not going to go to Drew Smith, if you're not going to see what Adam Adovino has right now, I mean, you kind of know about him because he's a veteran, but you know where I'm going. Sean Reed Foley, if you're not going to go to them now, when are you? And remember, you've got to cut two players. It's April 14th. May 1st will be here in a snap. You're talking about a couple of weeks. So we got they got to figure what's going on right now because you may lose these guys, and these are depth pieces. And the last thing you want to do is have what I'm going to call a Darren O'Day situation. If you remember, in 2009, the Mets designated Darren O'Day, a guy that had stolen from Anaheim in the Rule 5 draft because they needed a spot starter in Nelson Figueroa. And look at Darren O'Day. had a pretty good career, still pitching nearly 13, 14 years later. So you don't want to do that. You don't want to see that happen where you designate one of these guys, you lose them, and then all of a sudden later in the year, like, I could really use that. Well, you didn't think, you really didn't know what you had. So we got to put that out there. So you have bullpens right now that are pseudo spring training mode, trying to bridge now 12 to 15 outs sometimes. You've got guys, you got to figure out what you have. You have a very short period of time to really get to know them. You have a new manager who had a truncated spring training, so you're not in normal times. It's not excuses. It's the situation he's in, and he's got to manage it based on the situation. 
So I'm not ready to get crazy about all this. Now, there are two moves from Buck. We're just talking about Buck and his bullpen management. There are two moves that right now, probably in a vacuum, are moves that you don't want to make. One, Sunday with Trevor Williams in the eighth inning, who didn't deserve to lose that game. He did all he can do. You want to go to a higher leverage guy in that situation. Second division club, maybe he felt better. I think in normal times, if that game was in August and you're trying to win it, I don't think he goes that route. And then the only thing I'm going to criticize him for with Jolie's Rodriguez is the second inning going in yesterday. I know he wanted him for Harper, but there was too much right-handed coming up after Rodriguez got Schwarber to end the sixth inning. So he got him going into the, the seventh inning, and I think that's where... Where things he got he ended the sixth inning Rodriguez and then he allowed him to start the seventh inning. I could I could I could criticize that again. I think he's trying to figure out and you may have to cut some of these guys. And if Rodriguez is a loogie, and I want to put him aside for a minute because I want to dive into him because I think he has value. But you may have to cut one of these guys. You have to cut two guys in a few weeks. Either it's going to be Jankowski going down with a reliever or two relievers. I have a feeling it's going to be two relievers because I think Buck likes having the pinch runner, the backup outfielder. And if you lose Jankowski already having a little bit of a depth issue in the outfield where you have guys who are really not outfielders like Dom Smith and and J.D. on the roster and you have guys in AAA like Plummer and, and, and Khalil Lee who you don't know what you're going to get and you may not want a young player coming off the bench. Not an easy thing to do for veter- veteran, much less a young player who's not established, you're going to have to keep the backup outfielder. So you're really going to have to cut two pitchers, and that's why you're seeing some of the moves that you're seeing. And it does. I know you don't like it, but the lockout is what it is, and this is part of the path. This is part of the journey. This is part of the 2022 season. Nothing is the same. You can't play every game uh, like it's the seventh game of the World Series. That doesn't mean you throw games away, but allow him time to evaluate what he has. It's a bad situation that you don't necessarily want to be in, but you can do it right now because you're playing. you got Arizona now, uh, what, six out of the next nine games? You could probably do some experimenting there too. And, and if you stub your toe again, keep in mind a couple of numbers. The last five years, a team between 83 and 86 wins will make the playoffs. I don't want the Mets to be in that little mediocre uh, bandwidth of wins, but... You'll be in the playoffs, and you're going to be in the same three-game tournament that the team, the third division winner who has the third best record is going to be in. So it's possible that you win 95 games and two teams win 100, which is unlikely but could happen, and you're still playing in the same dopey three-game series as the team with 83 wins. That's the modern-day tournament baseball postseason. So why don't you figure out what you have, because maybe you you figure these things out and you become the team with one of the top two records. Or at the very least, you have a very well-rested uh, prime team to go into the postseason tournament and win later on. So I that's the higher level, the big picture. And I always like to look at the big picture and how I see what Buck is doing. And he's not giving you a lot because he doesn't want to tell you because he's the manager. He's got a lot of Bill Belichick in him. He's got a lot of Pat Riley in him. He's got a lot of uh, Tony LaRusse in him. He's just, I think he he deals with the media, uh, certainly deals with the media a lot better than any Mets manager I've seen here in a long time in this short sample. But he deals with them more with a smile, really telling them, you know, go scratch, for lack of a better word. 
and he does it with a smile so they like it. And he does these little goofy quizzes now. I like I like the quizzes. Non sequitur, but hey, who has the most hit by pitches? Buck quizzing the media and them not answering the question is going to be the best part of the season. He's going to challenge them, but I digress. So here's how I see the bullpen right now shaping out. And yes, I think they're going to need to go out and any team in the position like the Mets should go out and try to scour throughout the final 30 to 45 days before the trade deadline, which team who's trending poorly has an arm to give. That might get harder with the bar lowering with an extra postseason spot because teams at the at the deadline might say, hmm, I think I'm in it. I could sneak in with 83, 84 wins. I'm going to need this guy in the tournament. So there might not be the supply and demand might be whacked uh, out a little bit there. And you might have to either overpay for somebody or that person's not there or Maybe you need to you got to start developing some arms in that system that come out of the bullpen. Maybe you have finally one in Drew Smith. We'll see. What I see right now, and I'm going to assume in in a, in a game, a normal game for at least the foreseeable future, the sixth, the seventh, the eighth, and the ninth need to be covered by the bullpen. Even in Scherzer, even in down the road Degrom starts, I, I think you're going to need to get twelve outs. A lot of outs. I prefer it to be nine. I'd love it to be six, but we're not in the situation where we could wish and hope and and we have to be realistic and say, where's this going to fall? It's going to fall at least in nine outs to get most nights and probably uh, 10 to 12. So I see right now the pecking order as follows. Your Lugo Diaz, eighth and ninth. I'm not ready. Even with a blown situation with Lugo, that's not going anywhere. And and unless Diaz completely unravels, even with a bad game or two in that those stretches, uh, he's not he's not going anywhere. And if he could evolve and learn, and with the help of, I mean, if you look at that John Harper article on Mets blog, again, and not it's tied into the bullpen, not completely bullpen. If you look at that John Harper article about how McCann read the swing path of the Phillies hitters and went sliders, I mean, he slidered them to death uh, on Tuesday night. I mean, that was pitching by Diaz. That was nasty sliders. And I saw a graph with his release point if he could get a consistent release point, they are not hitting him. The issue with Diaz is he can't repeat his mechanics, and that's when he flies open, he loses command and control, and he falls behind, and then he just tries to plow in that fastball. And you saw with Bryce Harper yesterday afternoon, when they hit his fastball, either one or two bad things happen. It goes a long way because they make con- uh, contact, or they dink and they dunk because it falls into no man's land. It almost actually happened on the last play of the game where they dribbled the ball, but Diaz went over and grabbed it because that would have been a base hit in a shift world. So, you know, that is where the evolution of Diaz becomes. It becomes a whole different world in the ninth inning with 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 a McCann helping him evolve into a thinking pitcher and knowing when to go slider, when to go fastball, knowing the the, the hitters that he has up. It's not just about his game. It's about adjusting to the hitters. Total cat and mouse, total chess match. That's what baseball's all about, Apple TV. So let's assume we got eighth and ninth with Lugo Diaz. That's the eight team. That's not going to change. A buck already seems to like Lugo and, and what have you. I think your sixth inning is Shreve and, and, and Drew Smith. I think Shreve is probably going to p- replace Rodriguez to get the big outs against the Schwabers and the Harpers and, and guys like that. I think your seventh is May and Adovino. I know May has a dead arm. I know May has not been good. I think May actually was a lot better on Tuesday night. And if he didn't have that, that dead arm, 
maybe he doesn't walk Boehm, and maybe that is a totally different inning because then you don't have to bring in Rodriguez for Camargo and you could keep May in. That's your A team. Now, here's a part of this that's interesting, and I think this is part of where Buck eventually is he going to have to relent on where players are today or maybe he evolves these pitchers to push them to be better. Remember, play better, better, be better. The up and down with relievers after their one inning of work played into some of the issues. It played certainly into May. Maybe it played into Sunday a little bit. Certainly played into Rodriguez yesterday, but that could also be more matchups than up and down. But I think what Buck is trying to do, I think he thinks back to at Andrew Miller and how Andrew Miller evolved and how he went multiple innings and says, why can't I get that out of Shreve? Why can't I get that out of Diaz in some situations? Why can't I get that out of May, maybe out of Vino, guys like that? He's going to learn his pitchers and learn who could do it and who can't. Now, I've been critical of something like that because and I think it was maybe Justin Wilson or somebody at some point I talked about. I didn't like either. It was probably Louis Rojas at that time. Uh, maybe Mickey Calloway. It's a long time ago. But I knew that a guy like Wilson, I didn't like the, the sit down, get back up. I think relievers have to be trained after they warm up, come in hot, do their job, sit down cold, sometime for 15 minutes maybe, depending on how the inning goes, and then get back out, warm up, and go out again. There's an adrenaline component. There's an up and down component. There is a training mentally and physically component. Are these Mets pitchers, because May hasn't done it in a long time, certainly, are they trained and are they ready for that? I'm sure Buck Showalter talked to them about it, but I don't know. I don't know if they really believed it. Until you really do it, do you really, does it really register? And if that's something that he's expecting out of this group, well, they got to get ready for it. Now, I don't know if they all could do it. I think Lugo they're probably going to be careful with, and I think Diaz they're going to be careful with. They may be called on occasionally to do it. But if this is part of the game plan, then especially now no DH, you don't have to worry about double switching, you don't have to worry about pinch hitting. This is American League Baseball now, which is no longer just American League Baseball, it's baseball in general. Well, buckle up, guys. This is your job. Play better. And if they can learn how to do that, that's going to make it all that much easier to put in and we'll get to the guy that we all want to tar and feather, Jolie's Rodriguez. Here's what I'll say about Rodriguez. First, the trade. If you're sitting around, and I know Miguel Castro's got his scoreless deal going on with the Yankees, call me in August. If you're a Yankees fan listening, I don't know why you would be. But if you're a Mets fan watching Castro for whatever reason, because now all of a sudden you're pining for him. This always happens. Uh, call me in August, write me in August, and let me know how that's working out for you. Because I saw the guy enough over the course of a season and a half, pandemic and 2021. There's no command consistently. When he is commanding, he's good. He's inconsistent with that. Yes, his numbers against lefties are good, but I do not trust him against the big lefty hitters like Harper, like Schwarber, who else do we have in the division? We got. I mean, I'm drawing a blank right now. Uh, uh, you know, Atlanta. What Atlanta's got Olson, right? Is that he's a, he's a lefty? Uh, and I'm I'm drawing a blank right now. You could criticize me after uh, guys like that. Uh, uh, you know, if you play in the Dodgers, Freddie Freeman and things like that. Let's see, real here. Yeah, Olson's lefty. I don't know why I drew a blank on that. Um, I don't trust him against that. I do trust Jolie's Rodriguez and. 
If you look at his body of work in Philadelphia, the other night he came in. He wasn't supposed to come in for Camargo. He made a good pitch away. Dunk and dink. Bad luck. Happens. Happens to everybody. Then he got Schwarber out. Did his job there. Then he got deep into the count with uh, JT Realmuto. Hung one. JT good hitting. Hit one out. Good hitter. Got beat. Probably not the guy in a high leverage spot you want Rodriguez to face. Then he got Harper out. And then Lugo came in and blew the game. So he did his job. Yesterday, got Schwarber out in an inning that was starting to get dicey. And then the criticism is he brought him back, Buck Walter, to face Harper. And that's where it got dicey. So he brought him back and, had, and left him in. I think he got all the way into Castellanos. And that's just not what you want. You don't want that from him. So maybe that, that I'll pin on Buck. But the, for the most part, when he's coming against a tough lefty, Rodriguez is valuable. And this is where, in today's baseball with the three-batter rule, maybe this is an antiquated skill. I would put him right now, early season, and I'll make this statement, against a tough lefty. Hopper may be the toughest lefty in the division. We'll start with him. Against any of those tough lefties, I'd put him in. Jolie's Rodriguez, and I'd have confidence that he'd get out of it. And I'll even say, one batter, lefty, postseason game, I might put him in. Right now, I have to see more of him, but I would say that. Cannot say that for Miguel Castro. So the real question, do the Mets, with his repertoire, can the Mets and all these smart people, these 50,000 people they have in the analytics department, Jeremy Hefner, young, progressive coach, can they figure out with Rodriguez inside work is against righties to be serviceable because you're going to have to get righties out in a three-batter situation. And the Phillies lineup is really tough from one through five. Really unfair to judge him just on that because if every lineup was like that, May's going to have trouble against that part of the lineup. Diaz is not going to be perfect. He wasn't, he wasn't perfect against that part of the lineup yesterday. So everyone's going to have trouble. So that's really not fair. Not everyone's going to have... Uh, Schwaber, well, I really don't like Schwaber, but he's still a dangerous hitter. Real Muto, Harper, Castellano, and then Hoskins. And got patient guys in there. Castellanos hits all sorts of pitches, very aggressive hitter. I mean, that's a tough lineup. I don't think the Phillies are, I think the Phillies are the third best team in the, in the division. But like I said in spring training, no comfortable games are going to come out of this. So you got to figure that out. And can the Mets figure that out? Because then I think the guy's got value. You can't just throw him away. Well, and I know historically he's, but guys evolve. Aaron Loop wasn't supposed to be a 0.98 ERA guy. And he came in and he was better. Not saying he's Aaron Loop. And yes, I'd love to have Aaron Loop. And I think Aaron Loop in this bullpen, if that was a, a situation, m- would make me feel that much better. And he probably is able to navigate Tuesday night and the Mets probably win. That's the way it is. Now, the problem right now is, as you get into the depth, I mean, I think Sean Reed Foley's pitching himself off the team. Not acceptable hitting. I mean, I, the hitting guy, I don't know if that was intentional. The walking, getting into trouble after a, a, an 8-1 lead. That's the inning that made this, this game dicey. You shut down that inning, totally different situation going forward. But they bent, but they, and they didn't break. And they found ways to get outs when they needed it. Got a little bit with Stott's long fly ball against Adovino. That got a little scary. I know that... It wasn't the comfortable afternoon you wanted, but that's but that's going to happen. 
It's not just the Mets. There's a lot of outs, and it's daily outs that have to happen from a bullpen, and that's where they're going to get tired, and that's why you're going to see these kind of games get dicey, and you're going to blow games that probably when you look back, you're like, they really shouldn't have. When you're getting seven-plus innings from a starter, you don't have to bridge that many outs every night, and you have fresh guys. But that's not the baseball that we're in today. So really, when you dissect it from the situation you're in with extended spring situation, learning what you have out there, the 5-2 and two record, the bullishness that I have about the 8th and ninth inning, when these, those guys, I put them up there with most anybody else in the league. I really like what I see out of Drew Smith. And you have a catcher in McCann that is, you, you, again, I encourage you to go to Mets blog and read that, James, uh, that uh, John Harper article, a thinking man's catcher, a catch-and-throw guy. I know you all hate the offense. That's not why he's been paid. That's not why he's here. Uh, yeah, I love JT Real Muto, too. It's not reality. Let's move on from that. When you add that in, and and really the Mets, we see how Bassett is working with uh, McGill in the dugout and Scherzer's competitive drive and things that we could get deeper into after the uh, the series against Arizona and, and, and Sunday show. You have to think that with some talent, there's guys in this bullpen that are going to get better. So you have to sit back and let this marinate. You can't get crazy. I already see people, they're pining for Castro. Get rid of Rodriguez. Like, this is how Darren O'Day happens, guys. This is how Darren O'Day happens. And if you're not familiar with that, go back to 2009, look at the transaction log, and a spot start with Figueroa. They designated O'Day, who they stole for assignment, a guy that they could have used. Throughout the – they could have used him. Pick a good year in the last 10 years. The Mets have been in contention. The couple, two, three years they have. Darren O'Day would have helped a lot, especially even last year. So that vintage Darren O'Day could help this year for sure. So that's where we're at. So I wanted to come to you about the bullpen. I think overall it's not that bad. I, 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 I am going to, and I'm going to leave you with this. You have to, you hired Buck Showalter. You hired somebody to clean up culturally this team. But you also hired a guy who has seen a lot of baseball, has managed a lot of bullpens. Let him do his thing. I think in the long run, it's not going to be static. He's not just this clueless guy throwing guys out there. He has a plan. I think he's trying to learn what he's got out there. Trying to learn what he's got in Drew Smith. He's trying to learn what he's got in Jolie's Rodriguez. He's got to see in an 8-1 game. If you're not going to bring Sean Reed Foley between now and May 1st in an 8-1 game, then get rid of him now. That's, that's the three outs in an environment where we're in right now where starters are going five innings. He has to be able to get three outs in a seven-run game. Period. End of story. And he didn't, and that's not acceptable. And that's really not bad bullpen management. That's on the player. And you can't manage 8-1. I know it's Philadelphia. I know it's a band box. I know they have five really good hitters. And even the bottom half of the lineup, if Stott starts to hit and Bohm and guys like that, then that gets, it gets really kind of very annoying. Then you're looking like 07-08 Phillies lineups. It's the bullpen that stinks. And after Wheeler, the rotation could get dicey. They have all other issues there. That's that's their problem. It's not our problem here on the Talking Mets podcast. You can't do that. and Get rid of him now. And I personally think he's pitching himself off the team. I think, yes, they went a long way to me. If I'm a value, I'm like, oh, do I really need this guy? Because I, I think you're going to have to cut two pitchers on May 1st. I don't think Jankowski's going. And maybe it's Rodriguez, too. Maybe they just... 
They eat the rest of the salary and they move on. I'd be careful with a guy who has uh, that kind of success against lefties. I don't think. I think it's Sean Reed Foley, and I think they're going to have to figure out uh, Trevor Williams. I think David Peterson might go back down because Walker will probably still be on the DL. And, uh, you know, away you go. And I think Chasen Shreve is going to be the guy that you're going to, because I think he's going to be better against righties, that you're going to have to start leaning on. And the other big thing is up and down. These guys are going to have to learn to get up for at least a couple of batters in their second inning of work because I think Buck is going to expect it, especially in the 12-out bridge in the gap type of games that happen when the starters don't go long. So that's my thoughts on the Mets bullpen. Hope you enjoyed today's short here on this Thursday, April 14th. We'll be back with another show on Sunday. Don't worry. Just wanted to warm your Mets hearts between now and then. Enjoy the day off. Take a little step back from baseball. There'll be plenty of things to talk about. And get ready. Number 41, the franchise. Tom Seaver having his ceremony. His day. It's very sad that it's post, post-humulus. I'm not even going to try to say that word. If you think I'm going to say that word, you know what I'm trying to say. That's a tongue-tied word. That's not going to happen. Uh, it's very sad that Tom's not around for his special day. And uh, I'm trying to get a really cool guest for you guys for Sunday. So sit tight. We'll figure it out. And we'll have a real fun time on Sunday talking about Seaver, talking about the opening weekend series. Can't wait to see the City Field crowd. Heard this standing room only. That's going to be a raucous crowd, even for a Friday afternoon. A lot of good Friday. Probably a lot of people trying to uh, cut out work early and uh, start their weekend off with some baseball. All right. You can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. And you can show an Apple Podcast, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy your Thursday. Enjoy your day off. We'll be back with the podcast on Sunday. Enjoy opening weekend. Until next time, take care, everybody. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. 
Expires April 30th. One-time use only, not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5hourenergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.